you're listening to the Whitewater Podcast. First off, we just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, rate, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Whitewater is doing, you can go to whitewaterchurch.org give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. We believe God is at work in the world all around us. Sometimes it can be so easy to feel when we're in dark places and dark times to think, man, where is God? But if the scriptures of the Bible, the story of God teaches us anything, in the least likely places, God is at work. God's spirit is at work in people. Even people we might not like being around, God's working on them. He's working in their life. And we at Whitewater come with the assumption that God's spirit is already at work in places and people before we even get there. Welcome to our new series on being led by the Spirit. We're going to be studying through the book of Acts, and we're going to be looking at how God uses His Spirit to empower His people to accomplish His purposes. We have a resource that I want to encourage you to take advantage of. This is a 25-day devotional that will help you read through the book of Acts and see how God uses the Holy Spirit to empower His people, us, to accomplish His purposes. This devotional will help you get in God's Word and allow the stories of Scripture to help us walk with God's Spirit together. It's a great resource to engage with personally and with some friends so you can grow together. If you're interested in going through this 25-day devotional, email us at info at whitewaterchurch.org and we'll get you a copy. Don't miss out. John Weinrich said this, Jesus is the blazing center of our faith. The Holy Spirit is the blazing center of our mission. Another way to look at this is that if Jesus is the center of our faith, the work of the Spirit is the circumference of that faith. God is at work all around the world um, through the Spirit of Jesus. We believe that when a person says yes to Jesus and crosses the threshold um, from no faith to faith, that that person receives the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul said that when you believed, you received. This makes sense. Paul calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus. According to John Clark and Mark, Marcus Peter Johnson in their book, The Incarnation of God, the Holy Spirit is the personal agent of Christ's presence and power. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And if you know anything about Whitewater, we are a Jesus-centered church. In the Old Testament, the word for spirit is ruah. You can kind of hear and feel the breath, ruah. The word for spirit in the New Testament was pneuma, which is where we get the uh, word pneumatic. If you're a mechanic, you've probably had a pneumatic wrench that enabled you to accomplish more than you could do with your own hands and your own power. The Holy Spirit empowers us for kingdom work. Gordon Fee mentions um, in some of his writings that often Christians think about the Holy Spirit as like some kind of abstract, oblong blur. You know, just like there's no like sense of understanding. It's just so abstract. How, how can we wrap our minds around the Trinity and then the Holy Spirit? Because it, it, it's such a mysterious thing. And I don't think we have to solve the mystery of the Trinity. I think the Trinity and the, and the reality of the Spirit of God uh, is going to remain a mystery. I mean, our brain shouldn't be able to understand everything about God if he's really God. My son um, saw some pictures 
that were sent from his uh, his preschool to my wife. And they were pictures of him playing and having fun at preschool. Here's the text I got from Sarah. Wes just asked how his teacher flies the pictures to me. Like, what power is this? I said, it's the internet. He said, so they fly through a tiny whirlpool, like you paddle in the water, but in the internet? <laughs> His brain is trying to like catch up with this reality. That's pretty good, you know, metaphor for a little kid. But when we're talking about the spirit, it's the same thing. We're talking about something mysterious, but also very personal and real. And so we're going to look the first um, section, the first chapter of the book of Acts. And in it, we're going to look at how Jesus is empowering his people for ministry in the power of the Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my first book, this is Luke, and his first book was the book of Luke, and he also wrote Acts. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction, listen to this, through the Holy Spirit. So Jesus' ministry was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Verse 3, during the, the 40 days after he suffered and died on the cross, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. He was resurrected in the power of the Spirit. Jesus uh, was born through the power of the Holy Spirit, did ministry through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, was led to the cross in the power of the Holy Spirit, and was raised to new life in the Holy Spirit. Now check this out. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. So Jesus' work is about bringing um, heaven to earth. Um, you know the, the Lord's Prayer, that, that uh, heaven would be brought to earth, that, that earth would, would have these moments where heaven is breaking through. We're, our, our role and our job is to follow Jesus in talking about and building the kingdom of God. Verse 4, once he was eating with them, he, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is saying, don't go do things on your own. You need my spirit. We're all of his disciples were kind of fumbling forward and they were learning about the kingdom and um, they, they had actually abandoned Jesus when he went to the cross and now they've come back. Jesus is saying, hey, you're not gonna be able to do this without my spirit. That's why I have to go to heaven. I'm, the, the Father's gonna give you the power of my spirit. Verse six, as a result, those who had gathered together asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? I think people are still asking that question. Like, is this the end time? Like, is everything going to be restored? Are you going to get rid of all the bad people and all the good people win right now? And a lot of people are asking those types of questions, especially when they're going through crisis and trouble. These disciples went through crisis and now they're like, okay, when's it all going to like turn to good? When are you going to get all the bad stuff out? Listen to Jesus' response to that question and that like human concern. Jesus replied in verse 7, It isn't for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has set by his own authority. As much as we might want to know and try to guess and maybe play Christian math and when Jesus is coming back and what that's going to look like, Jesus tells us we don't get to know that. That's set by God's authority. Verse 8, Rather, you will receive the power or you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
Just think about that. Jesus is saying, don't worry about those questions. When's it going to happen? And what's going to happen? What's, what are the, the signs that the end of the age are coming? And how, you know, all the things that cause all this fear. He's like, you're not to worry about that. The Father's taking care of that. That's not your job. Rather, your job is to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come, the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Witnesses are people who are telling the story of what they've seen. Witnesses are people who are giving like real life experience account of reality. They're telling their truth. They're, they're telling about what God has done. And they're going to do it with their friends, with people that are family, with people who are outside those circles from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, you know, outsiders, people who, who aren't Jewish, who aren't part of their group part of their tribe, it's going to expand and expand beyond all the tribalism, beyond all the walls that the world likes to build up, and it's going to go to the ends of the earth. And their job is to be those witnesses empowered by the Spirit. Verse 9, after Jesus said these things, as they were watching, he was lifted up, cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was going away, and as they were staring toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood next to them. They're like, Whoa. They said, Galileans, because that's where they're from, the north of Israel. Galileans, fishermen, tax collector. Why are you standing here looking toward heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven. I love that question. Why are you staring into heaven? I think it's really easy, especially when we go through loss, uh, transition, or trial, to get caught looking up to get caught up in those questions. When's Jesus coming back? When's this going to happen? Or, um, Lord, there's all these issues. Or I need to be with my tribe. I need to be with, I need to be just worshiping God, singing songs, and I mean, just be looking up. And these angels are sent by Jesus to say, hey, God's spirit isn't just up there somewhere. And you don't, you're not supposed to just wait around and separate from society and culture, waiting for Jesus to come. There's work to be done. There's kingdom work to be done. The spirit is at work out there. He's sending them out to build the kingdom together. At Whitewater, we believe that God has sent us to bless a broken world by bringing the whole person and whole community into a flourishing life with Jesus. God has sent us. We are sent ones. This is really important because that means that we are sent, not stuck in our life. You may have heard me say this before. It's so important to awaken to the reality that God's spirit is with us and that God has been preparing you where you're at, in the places you've been, and you've, you're sent there. You're not stuck there. God wants to do something through you. You might be like, well, I'm at a dead-end job. What is God training you for and what is his purpose for you? Look for it. If we don't think there's a purpose for it, we're very likely going to miss the purpose. There's, we're going to miss on the joy of it as well. We're not stuck there. Maybe you're a student or maybe you're in a, there's a, a relational trouble you're going through and you're like, man, like, but God has sent you to be a peacemaker, sent you to bless a broken world. How can you do that? How can you ask for God's spirit to guide you and empower you in that process? Every person is created for a purpose. God wants to empower every person with his spirit to accomplish his good purpose, good purpose that he made them for. So what's your purpose? What's your calling? 
In the book of Acts, we're going to see that like people like Peter, who started off as a fisherman, um, who was a little misogynistic, and he was tribal and uh, a little bit racist, all of a sudden, the kingdom of God gets a hold of him, Jesus gets a hold of him, and he turns into this fisher of men. He becomes a leader. He becomes an establisher of Jesus' church. And and like God gets a hold of his life, and he's got this n- new, renewed purpose. Um, we see leaders like Lydia, who was a businesswoman, who Paul met praying by a river, and all of a sudden, she starts a house church and out of her own business, out of her own life, she wasn't just stuck there. She was sent there. God used her and what she had and her home and her life for his purposes. Priscilla and Aquila uh, were tent-making business owners who be- befriended Paul and started following the way, and they became trainers. And they, God used them with their business, with their gifts and their talents to build the kingdom. Another person, Cornelius, who was like a Roman military leader, wasn't Jewish, like has this crazy vision dream, and then God God brings him into the into the fold, and God used him right where he was at. See, we believe God is at work in every one of us in every place. Do we see it? Are we willing to join it? Or are we resisting what God is doing? We think that every person is a reservoir created to release rivers of blessing through their life. That like, you need to have healthy intake if you're a healthy reservoir, you got to take, you know, with through worship and through the tr- truth and beauty and goodness of looking at God's world and understanding that God's made all this. We have to have good intake, but we also have to have like an outflowing of God's blessing. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are reservoirs that God releases rivers of blessing into areas of our life. If that's true, then a church also is a reservoir. Many of you have heard me say this before, but it's so important. Our church is a reservoir of people with gifts and talents and callings, and they're in different sectors of society. Um, they're all over our city, all over our county, all over our world. They get they get to interact with all kinds of people. And our, if our church is a reservoir, every Sunday, or you know, if you're online, um, even every Sunday in your home when you come and gather and you maybe you're with your family, maybe you're with, you're with your friends, or we're a reservoir and we can see the gifts and the people and we come and we get encouraged. And then we get sent out Monday through Saturday in our workplaces and our families and our neighborhoods, in the places that we play and have recreation. We become rivers of blessing. We gather as a reservoir, we scatter as a river of blessing. And just think about all the talent that's within our church, all the giftings, all the, you know, just the special graces that God has given, even to the to kids, young ones, their reservoir that God is using as a river of blessing, maybe even in your life. Like I've learned things from my kids in this season, uh, in this hard season, like about faith and about joy and about hope. We're all blessed to be a blessing. Imagine if every person who began following Jesus, every believer really became a blessing, realized that they were sent, not stuck. Six months before we had the pandemic hit, uh, in January, we commissioned our whole church because we believe our church is a reservoir and we want to release them. We want to send them. The Bible calls it commissioning. That's sending with blessing, with support. And we, we sent our whole church. We commissioned them. We had people identify, where's your primary calling? Where has God sent you? Where are the areas of your life that God wants you to cultivate and to bless? And people identified that and from all different sectors of society. And, you know, like it was just this powerful moment and we prayed for them, we commissioned them. Our church 
has been living in real time in the real world, even in a pandemic, has sent people. Because the church was made for times like this. We're not made to be afraid of this. God, for thousands of years, has worked through his people, through his church, in the toughest of times to bring flourishing or to help cultivate flourishing and to bring life and wholeness in some of the most broken times and and eras. We sent you. Maybe you're new. And we want to send you today to know that you're empowered by the Spirit, to believe that God is at work all around you and that you are not stuck, but you are sent in the world to which you find yourself and you can be a blessing and God can use you to impact other people's lives. So what could happen if a whole church filled with individuals who are called to different areas of society awaken to the power of the Spirit in their life? So we break blessing down into some of these basic areas just of life. We believe everyone has a, you know, a parish, an area that we call the parish. That's your church family. Every person has their people. That's your family and your close friends. We believe everyone ha- is called to a place. Everybody has a local neighborhood. Everybody has a profession, you know, like a, a, their workplace. Or maybe you're a student, you know, getting ready for your profession. Like that's, that's work toward that end. Every person needs to have some kind of play or, or recreation. And then peace partnerships. I think everybody has a passion area like where they want to bring peace or partner with people for peace in their community. Maybe they have passion about foster care or uh, serving the homeless or you know, feeding their, their community through a food bank, whatever it might be. And when you look at those, those are really your purposes in life, those areas, those worlds of calling, those gardens to cultivate. What I want you to think about is right now, what is a primary calling for you? Maybe it's to be a stay-at-home mom or dad. Maybe your primary calling is, and ministry isn't only like working on a Sunday to serve the church, and that's good to serve your parish. That's wonderful. But maybe your primary ministry is being a teacher. It's your profession. It's being, you know, like a stay-at-home mom or dad, or maybe it's something else. What is that? If you looked at those areas, what what area would you identify? And I want to encourage you to, to write this down. Like, What is the place, the people, the profession? What's your primary calling? And um, be thinking about how you can pray for that and how, and how you can ask the Spirit to help you bless that area. Last time we commissioned our church, we commissioned business owners, trades and craftsmen and women, people in sales, educators, financial trainers, medical people in the medical field, first responders, um, nonprofit leaders or people who work in nonprofits, uh, civic leaders, people in the, fi- in the field of law, stay-at-home moms and dads, people who are building families, students, social workers. I mean, all of these matter to God, and God has sent you to be a blessing there. What could God do with a spirit-filled, commissioned people who know in their heart, who know in their bones that this is what they were born to do. And in this season of their life, even if they're going to be called to something else, they are going to serve and love this world and this calling the best of their ability. We're going to commission you. And we want you to commission maybe your friends or family. Just have a moment of prayer where you're supporting each other. Let me just read you a scripture that gives us a picture of commissioning. In uh, Acts 13, it says, one day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit led, 
appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. What is commissioning? Commissioning is sending people into their calling or assignment from the Lord. And you might be asking, why commission people? Maybe like you've never been in a church that does this. Well, here's why we commission and send people. Jesus was commissioned into his ministry and calling. And every disciple of, of Jesus is commissioned and called into their ministry. We're just following the way of Jesus. Commissioning is a biblical sign of support, encouragement, and unity. Another reason is commissioning activates gifts and passions that may um, be evident or maybe have been dormant and it awakens them. And then lastly, commissioning brings clarity of calling and purpose. So I want to pray for you and commission you into your area of calling. Now, we all have those areas we're all called to that I, I list. We have homes, we have friends, we have professions. We, you go down the list, you, you know, parish for a friend, uh, church family. But there's usually a primary one or two, and I'm going to pray and commission you into those world, right? And I'm going to pray and commission you into those areas of purpose right now. Now, if you're with your family, you can pray this prayer over them and you can pray this together. But let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I commission my friends to do the work that you've created and called them to do in the power of your spirit. I pray they would bring the peace and presence of Jesus into their calling. Thank you for the passion, gifts, skills, experience you have given them to be a blessing right where they're at right now. Give them courage, creativity, faith, hope, and love in the face of any adversity, discouragement, or challenge. I pray that these friends would experience the power of your spirit as they cultivate the flourishing of the people and places that you have called them. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's some next steps. First, as a church, we want to pray for you. We have a team that's praying and has been praying through the pandemic for people in the areas of calling, you know, in every sector that our church has been called into. So would you head to the link in the description below and fill that out and send it back to us? We would love to be praying with and for you in your calling. And then the, the last step I want to encourage you is this. You might be asking, well, what do I do next? And I think it's just so important to get in the habit, maybe at the beginning of every day, and just talk with God and say something simple like this. God, would you open my eyes to what you are doing in my work or in my calling and help me to join you? Just pray that simple prayer. And I think God will open your eyes and empower you to join him in what he's already doing in your life. Hey, Whitewater family. Thanks again for joining us this week. At Whitewater, we believe in creating an environment where you can belong before you believe. If you want to learn more about who we are and what we believe in, visit us at our website, whitewaterchurch.org. If you'd like to contribute to Whitewater financially, you can give online at whitewaterchurch.org give. Or if you want to get involved in blessing our communities or are interested in joining one of our home churches, email us at info at whitewaterchurch.org. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.